Anyone familiar with pop culture, American culture, or rock and roll in general should know that riff from Blue Oyster Cult, or also known as BOC, and that monster song, Godzilla. But there's a catch. It's not the riff from the original studio version off of BOC's 1977 album, Spectres. It's a remake from the band from their 1994 compilation, Cult Classics. The album where they remake many of their previous hits. Hello, this is Pat Prince, editor of Goldmine Magazine. And the reason why I'm talking about BOC re-releasing Cult Classic, even though it's been reissued a couple times already, but here it comes out on a 2LP vinyl set, 180 grams from Frontiers, Re Frontiers Records. And it's also a gatefold. Never underestimate the gatefold with record collectors. I always wondered myself if Cult Classic was only for the hardcore fan, but I have to admit, fans like me love comparing the the remakes to the older songs. And the band's also releasing a live album, which is exciting. Uh, it's called Hard Rock Live in Cleveland 2014. And it's exciting because BOC has always been a great live band. So it's a damn good album. And if it's damn good compared to all their other great live albums, like if you were to check out 1975's On Your Feet or On Your Knees, or 78's Some Enchanted Evening, or even 1982's Extraterrestrial Live, um, they're all great. They've always been a great live band, spontaneous and electric. And as far as the studio albums are concerned, many will remember BOC from hits like not only Godzilla, but Burning For You, Don't Fear the Reaper, and so on, uh, that you'll still hear a lot of on the American classic radio stations. And also, what's always made them popular, um, I think, is their fascination with the occult and the paranormal. And especially in the 70s, it gave them sort of a, a mystique. Like, uh, who are these guys? It wasn't like the internet now where you can find out everything about them, but they were certainly sort of mysterious back then, playing this uh, interesting, weird music, heavy music. But the best of all is we're going to talk to the original lead guitarist, Buck Dharma, about everything, about it all. He's, he's our guest on this episode of the Goldmine Podcast, and we'll be right back after this message. Hey, I'm Ronald Webb, and this is Patrick Prince. And together we host the Goldmine Radio Hour, the show that features the latest issue of Goldmine. The Music Collector's Magazine. Tune in Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on CygnusRadio.com. Pat, hello. How are you Good doing? To you. So it's exciting. You got two, two new releases coming from Frontiers, man. Um, yes, we're, we're sort of back on the on we're back from under the radar is what we are I guess. Yeah. well i love that you i love this new live album in cleveland what made you decide to pick cleveland what was it about this show um that was a that was broadcast originally uh, these these shows were originally uh tv appearances that we've done and that we i didn't know uh, that inherited okay. the rights from that's that's what that's what this is so it's now available now through us and Frontier to you know for the general public. Yeah. Well, you guys always kicked ass with uh, 
live releases. I mean, 1975 on your feet or on your knees, 1978, Some Enchanted Evening, and E.T. Live, I think the early 80s. I've always loved those those live albums. Um, Great. And now... Yeah, it's, it's funny, though. The band just seems to... You see more of what the band actually is in, in the... In the live records, I think it's a lot of fun too. I mean, you guys do great covers. Yeah. I thought "Kick Out the Jams" off of uh, "Some Enchanted Evening" was like the best cover I've ever heard of that song. It is great. great. Yeah, yeah. I have a philosophy about covers. You know, first is do no harm to the song, and second is bring bring something new to the party. You know, don't just do a, a rote cover. You know. Yeah, you guys uh, talk about "Kick Out the Jams." You kicked up the ante with that song that's always one of my favorites yeah. to return to and yeah well we were you know the software underbelly was signed to electro the same time that the mc5 were and you know we 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 were really big fans of the mc5 mm, i could tell you you played yeah. it like you loved it um oh yeah you also i heard you played like you play like uh, a lot of different you've played a lot of different type of covers like uh I heard somewhere that you played Frankie Ford Sea Cruise, like in in the seventies. Right. Right. <laughs> I have to go on YouTube and see if I can find that. Yeah, I, I'm sure it's out there somewhere, but I couldn't tell you where. And and you always uh, like this new album. You got uh, I don't know. I don't think you have a cover, but you have some deep cuts. Like I love the night. Uh, I think that would be considered a deep cut. play that not infrequently but not too often either yeah. you know it's just because we can only play between 75 and two hours as we right. play longer than that and you know we have to play a lot of songs so but we do stick that in once in a while we played it uh, a couple of weeks ago oh you did okay you know yeah, I... it was, it's still in the it's still in the repertoire you know we we uh we usually do it as an encore if, if we got time and we do three or four encore songs that's where it usually goes See, the first album I bought from you guys was um, Fire of Unknown Origin. So I always want to hear uh, that title track. Uh, yeah. Veteran of Psychic Wars. Um, John right. Crawford. Those are the cuts <laughs> that I, uh, some, I hope to hear sometime. Anything left to me 
Yeah, we haven't played Betcha in a long time. It's it's hard for Eric to sing, so yeah, he doesn't call it too often. But um, yeah, we we um, we've done a couple of um, um, lower key changes now. We do yeah. we do Joan Crawford down down a step and stuff like that. You know, like a lot of people that, right. that are, are you know gracefully aging. You know, say. Uh, and uh, I uh, I would love to hear "Still Burning." I think that would be a great uh, live cut. Is that? Have you ever played that? Have we ever played Still Burning? Yeah, live. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Oh. Yeah, to me, it's got a that nice. That was originally a tune on uh, on the Red and Black, which is a side project I had with uh, with John Rogers and Ron Riddle, right. who were both in BOC in the nineties. Are there are there any songs? And then go ahead. I'm sorry. Then BOC recorded it. Yeah, just just to say, and then BOC recorded it on the on the CMC records. Right. Well, when I say, it's definitely electric. It reminds me of a perfect live song. Maybe I could plant a seed in your head. <laughs> I don't know how you guys pick songs, but... Again, we'd have to do like a three-hour show to start playing. I know, man. you got too much yeah. material. Yeah. Um, is there a song that you always wanted to play and you never played live? Maybe Damaged from uh, from those records. Okay. Yeah, now that that'd be really hard to pull off live, but um, you know, to me, you know, it's I have never played that guitar part and sung it at the same time, so that would definitely be a, a, a mountain to climb. Well, you know, one thing I always never tire of is uh, Godzilla, and I don't know, I never get sick of hearing it, and I I don't know how you feel about playing it, but it's it's a one of the all time great rock songs, and not well, thank just thank you, not just because yeah. of the subject matter because i got into it when i was a kid and uh, way before i was turned on to bloister cult uh, just because it was about godzilla um but yeah. it's it's got some it's got great music how you do the leads throughout the chords and it, it just uh you know a lot of songs i get sick of great songs but i never get sick of that one yeah great which we, we... For for many years, we used to do it as a platform for a bass and drum solo live, mm-hmm. and and we've stopped doing that now. We just we've just we're back to like a streamlined, very similar to the record version of it. And uh, have you heard the the cover that was in the Godzilla movie? No, no. Yeah. Oh, you got to check that out. That's a re- very interesting cover. Oh, I got. I do have to check that out. Who does yeah. Who does the song? Do you know? Um. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Serge T- 
Tankian from. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I will check that out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, my brain is is, uh, is short circuiting on the on the names of the film composer that did this. Is um, that is that part of uh, the stun guitar that that riff there? Um, like, yeah, no, Eric. Yeah, Eric played the stun guitar. He was always credited with the stun guitar. I mean, I could see him. Maybe you could explain that a little. What was it? Just a fuzz box or fuzz on the guitar? Uh, yes, it was a fun. It was a, it oh, was okay. a fuzz in, initially back in the day. You know, I mean, it was kind of a goof to call it stun guitar. I gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that leads to a sort of sci-fi feel. So, as far as other songs that you play, is like Shooting Shark, yeah. that was an interesting choice. You got a great bass player there, and you had a great bass player when you first recorded it, Randy Jackson, right? Right. Yeah, well, of course, you know, I, I wrote the bass part, the, the you know, the simple bass part, and and uh, it was played uh, by Joe on the, on the tracking, and then when we got to San Francisco... We had the opportunity to to uh, get Randy to play on it, and of course oh. he just killed it. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, we were great. And of course, you know, we we every bass player we've had since it, it pays homage to uh, to Randy's part. You know. So. And was that based on right. a poem, the song? Patty Smith, um, is that true? That was a lyric. Yeah, that was a lyric that, uh, you know, we we did a lot of Patty's lyrics yeah. earlier on, or several. And this and Shooting Shark was one that I'd found, like, several years later, uh, into the 80s. And I wrote the song and love it. Yeah, I think it's a great lyric. I want to go back to Godzilla. Bear McCreary is the uh, soundtrack uh, composer, and he he was responsible for the cover of Godzilla. Oh, okay. And, you know, it's on you know it's on YouTube. Just go check it out. You'll probably dig it. I will. Probably has some of the yeah. uh, movie footage with it. He uh, he he put uh, he put a lot of uh, Japanese taiko drums in it. And stuff. It's it's really and uh, and uh, Serge does a great job on the vocal. Now, did you, are you guys ever thinking now that you're back in the swing of some releases? Maybe doing something in the studio. Um, this do, the studio record is the reason that all this stuff is happening. Ah, well, I know we, I'm we are I... making it now, right? And it's going to be released probably in the late summer, early fall. Any any uh, hints to what might be uh, like what the fans can expect? Uh, what they can expect is that no two songs on the record are going to sound similar. Well, that's good. That's what they can expect. I mean, because we've we've tracked fourteen songs and we're doing overdubs now. And the material is, uh, it, it's all over the place as far as style-wise. It's, um, you know, going into the project, it was, uh, you know, it, it took it took a little inertia to overcome because we, we hadn't made a studio record in almost 20 years. And right. whatever we do is inevitably going to be compared to our legacy stuff. So, yes. but uh, I'm, I'm confident now that the, the way we're, we're doing is, is really going to, stand up so I'm, I'm happy with it well as far as comparison i mean when you released cult classic you know you re-recorded songs and uh, that album always to me was fun because i would listen to an older track and then compare it to a newer one and sometimes i would like the older track sometimes i would like the newer one but it was fun mm -hmm. in that way you know what i mean and yeah uh, well the, 
the purpose of the re-records was mercantile at the base of it, you know, so we could have a, a master to offer uh, people that wanted to license the song an alternative that would probably be uh, more reasonable than uh, than Sony's version. You know? Plus, you never really had a best of up until that point. There was something called the Metal Years, which was kind of kind of a corny title, but um... geez, I don't know. Sony has repackaged our catalog in in. in probably 20 different ways. Yes. I, I can't even keep track of all the releases they, they made. You know? Yeah, the, it was something called Career of Evil, The Metal Years, which was kind of corny. Um, <laughs> I, I Even when I walk into a record store and I see Bluers to call it in the metal section, um, I think it's wrong, which it's not a... I mean, being metal's fine, but uh, you guys are a rock band, basically. Um, exactly. Um, in the... In, in, in in the very beginning of Blue Oyster Cult, you know, we called ourselves metal, but metal quickly became something that Blue Oyster Cult never was or, or never right. tried to be. Right. Yeah. Well, maybe because of the sort of paranormal slant or covering subjects that were, you know, not usually covered. It was a new term. And uh, yeah. in, in 1972, it was a new term. It hadn't right. really happened yet. Coming from Steppenwolf. <laughs> Yeah, well, when you think about it, well, you know, we were modeling Black Sabbath, certainly. We admired right. them, and, but we didn't sound anything like Black Sabbath, of course. No, you didn't. I, I mean, yeah. I've always heard that um, one song was influenced, I think, Cities on Flame from w The Wizard. Um, right, yeah, yeah, which, you know, we sort of twisted that lick around and, and recycled it. <laughs> but it's cool how bands do that. I mean, all bands are influenced and take from, you know, predecessors, so. Right. Um, it's yeah. not copying, it's an homage. But the great thing I love about uh, the new releases, I mean, sure, the cult classic came out in the 90s, but it's reissued now with two LP vinyl, 180 gram. Um, it's got a gatefold. Never under underestimate the gatefold with record collectors. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's pretty damn cool. <laughs> I'm glad. Oh, I'm glad you're digging it. Yeah. And I'm glad it's available again because you know it never was as vinyl, and uh, it's and it's fact it's been out of print or as a CD as well. But right. I don't know. It's, to me, I I I bought one CD last year. <laughs> I just I'm totally into the streaming thing, you know. Do you buy? Do you uh, still have your vinyl records? I've got about twelve feet of vinyl, but they're in storage. But you know, they, gotcha. I don't. But I don't have them. Yeah. Do you still I've got own a turntable? It's not hooked up. I don't even have a CD player hooked up now. <laughs> Do you still own all the original BOC releases? I know. You know, I've got them, but my kids probably have scratched most of them because gotcha. you know, when they were little, I, I gave them free run of BOC records. That's got to be cool. So I, don't, I don't know if I have pristine copies of anything at this point. My dad's got a new record out. <laughs> <laughs> But but well, that's funny. You know, I have two kids, and you know they took they took totally for granted what what was going on around them. Of course, you know. right? Or they get into yeah. something else entirely different. You know, yeah. It wasn't until they grew up that they realized what what pop did. You know, were those now were those TV mixes on the original? I don't remember them. Um, on the original version of Cult, yeah, yeah. I I I think they might have been. Yeah, yeah. For a couple of tunes, anyway. Because yeah. they're like fun little instrumentals. I think they were. TV means that that's that's what you that's what you play when you make an appearance on television. and You're only singing. You're not really actually playing, but you're singing to the track. You know? Gotcha. It's like karaoke. Gotcha. It's like karaoke. Yeah. Gotcha. 
But the band, you know, also another thing I love is you worked with some great producers. I mean, I've always appreciated Sandy's, Sandy Perman's mark on uh, BOC, and he's no longer with us. Oh, yeah, us. he was he was basically the spark plug for the whole thing. Yeah. He mentor. I yeah. mean, he's, he's done great work with other bands. I mean, the, the Clash's Give Me Enough Rope in the 70s was great. Um, mm-hmm. Were you guys uh, still close up to the end? Well, we 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 parted company in the in the, in the latter part of the century, you know, and then right. uh, then we started. He, he started coming to our gigs. He lived in the San Rafael uh, area of um, California, and we would play out there. We'd see him, and you know, so we we're getting together. In fact, I was hoping that he would uh, contribute some lyric to the to the record we're doing now, but uh, unfortunately, he had a stroke and passed away. Right. Yeah, I'm looking. The last time was Imaginos, I think, where he was involved. Yeah, well, you know the story of Imaginos, or, or do you? right, right, and that was a long. It, it was Albert and and uh, and Sandy's record, and uh, Columbia declined to release it. And then uh, in '85, Sandy convinced uh, Eric and I to finish it and put it out as a Blue Oyster Cult record. So that's what happened. Right, and it's interesting that the, it was declined at first. Because he, he, um, I, you know, I don't know the particulars of that. I yeah. wasn't there, but uh, that was the decision they made. And uh, unfortunately, uh, Blue Oyster Cult uh, wound up paying for the whole thing. So <laughs> it got put <laughs> in in our royalties for a while. But uh, you know, that's all water under the bridge. Well, you also worked with Martin Birch, and yes, when I first started listening to you, he was the yeah. producer. Um, yep. I mean, yeah, he, we really loved working with Martin. You know, he's a he's a really really talented guy, and he he taught me a lot about recording, and uh, he was a fine fellow. And uh, I don't know, you know, he was involved by the time you guys uh, started working with Iron Maiden, and I don't know if you got to meet. Uh, you probably heard stories with him and Iron Maiden, I'm sure. Um, yeah, he also worked on a lot of the. He engineered a lot of the classic Deep Purple stuff too. Yes. So I mean, yep. he always came up. He gave you a de- definitely a good sound on on those records. Yeah, no, old... Martin makes good records, and he had he had just made the Heaven and Hell uh, Black Sabbath record. Too, exactly. Record. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So, so is there going to be uh, now that you have the live album? Um, you're still on tour. I think you just you uh, played in December, right? At the end of December, um, are you yep. guys going back on tour shortly? Well, I'm looking and, now uh, on your we, website. Yeah, you got something for every month, pretty much. Yeah, well, we we try to keep working enough to keep cash flowing, you know, for, right. for everybody. Yeah. Do you still like touring? And yet, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, I love playing. I can't say I like traveling. Right. But I I certainly love to play and sing still. And you know, someday I think the lights on at the end of the tunnel. I think probably 2020 will be the last year that we we tour heavily. You know, and heavily right. for us is. 70 dates, 70, 80 dates a year. You know, right. they'll probably scale back from that. A lot of bands have said over the years this will be the last tour, but, you know, yeah. you can't get it out of your blood, I don't think. Yeah, it's, you know, I do like to get out there. I mean, if I'm off too long, I, I get stir crazy and I want to go out again. But, right. uh, again, only as long as I can do it well. If, if, if for any reason I can't do it, I don't have to do it, so I'll, I'll stop, you know. Do, do, will these two releases influence your live set at all? Will you play something different? Uh, probably, yeah. We'll probably play stuff from the new record, you know? yeah. especially if it, if it makes any noise. You know, I have no, I have no illusion about 
the pop market at this point. You know, right. I, I could barely relate to uh, stuff that's popular today. It seems like guitar rock is just not there, you know, on the well, charts. You know, the world turns. Which bums, on, which but, bums me out. <laughs> yeah. Although, you know, to go on, on YouTube and see all these uh, very young virtuoso players, you know, you yeah. know that it's alive somehow. Just uh, in what passes for top forty these days, it's it's um, it's barely recognizable to me. Right, and and it started off so, like in the two thousands, you had a lot of uh, bands that were guitar rock, like the White Stripes and and stuff like yeah. that. And then it just sort of and you still do, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's the, the the digital age is and the information age is is really. I mean, all these genres of music are still out there, and they're actually thriving in their in their in their subdivisions of what it is. So, it's actually, I think, a good time for for all kinds of music. Well, I hope to see you on tour this, this year, and I know you're playing a couple of New York dates, but but uh, I've I've seen uh, some some videos, live footage on YouTube, and you guys still bring it. So. Um, it'll be yeah, fun. The, the band's in good shape. The band's on fire, and it's that's why I'm glad we we're recording this this iteration because you know, like I said, it's good. Yeah. Well, good luck yeah. with the new releases, man, and thanks for taking the time to to talk to us. To okay, Goldmine. Patrick. Okay, Buck. Well, thank you very much. So check out Cult Classic and Hard Rock Live Cleveland 2014, two worthwhile new releases from Blue Oyster Cults. Okay, this is Pat Prince signing off the Goldmine Podcast. And don't forget to pick up a Goldmine print edition at Barnes & Noble or Books A Million. Also, you can go to goldminemag.com. We have a newly redesigned website and you can get percentage off subscription and find exclusive content there. So we'll see you next time on the Goldmine Podcast. Thanks all. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.